Welcome to Reality TV PhD. I'm Christina. And I'm M. Here's the deal. M and I were both in school for far, far too long. We decided it was time for us to climb out of the ivory tower and plop onto the couch to talk about our favorite academic subject, reality TV. From dating shows that make you question the future of humankind, to competition shows with 40-plus seasons, to that one show about a farmer trying to find a wife, for better or worse, we watch it all. We're here with hot takes, dissertations about topics you never asked for, and questions you wished another student would ask so you don't have to. Class has begun. Christina told me that she has to press record because she has something to share that I can shame her for. So I just want to go on the record before she shares it, whatever it is that I was given permission to shame her for whatever it is. Go ahead. I am not caught up and alone. Define not caught up. I am in the middle of episode three. (sighs) I know. You know, honestly, that's fine. Are you Okay. okay if we talk about some spoilers? Definitely. And just so you know, I was fully prepared to go in and pretend I had watched it all. Yeah. Thank you for being honest. I thought I could have done it fairly well, but I I was like, what would be more interesting for viewers, me lying or me letting (laughs) M yell at me for not being a good podcast co-host? I would never do such a thing. I'm too kind for that. Also, I know why you stopped watching it. No, I just took a pause. I know, but like, it's not necessarily something that is hard to be behind on. That, should we be saying this at the beginning of the episode? No, we shouldn't be saying any of this at the beginning of the episode that's about the show that we're going to recap. Okay, so two things. One, yeah, as I was organizing my linen closet and watching episode three mere minutes ago, I was thinking, will I continue this after this season is over? I'm not sure. There's a part of me that really likes it in the background. And then the second part is I have very extensive report card for this week. So like I have content. Okay. I'm I'm never worried that you're not going to have content by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that is something I feel that could be said to me just in regular life. (laughs) Yes. Um, it'll be on your tombstone. (laughs) (laughs) Always has content. Had a lot of content. (laughs) RIP. I don't even know if I'm good. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one of my good friends said to me, and I consider this the greatest compliment that he wishes I could just curate his life. Mm. oh wow peak that is peak peak compliment time to die now i might stop watching alone after we recap this (laughs) god people please don't (laughs) tune out right now don't tune out we're gonna get we're gonna hit you here's what it's gonna be it's gonna be a great uh, one of those sandwich things where we got a really really solid content for report card and homeroom and then we take a little bit of a, a dip for the alone coverage and then we go i'm gonna go toot my own horn skyrocket <laughs> back up for office hours because i've been prepping i'm thrilled and i have no idea what it's about i know okay so let's get into homeroom what uh grades do you have today all right i have a through f oh my god okay i have b <laughs> c and f so why don't you take us away with a 
All right. I'm going to start with a little hometown love. My A this week goes to the current season of Great Food Truck Race. Have you watched this, M? I didn't even know it was still going on. How did you find that? Yes, I've watched it in the past. Okay, so I found it because one of our local food pop-ups, The Easy Vegan, is on this season. And I have loved their food for several years now. They are the best vegan place in town. They're always at City Park Farmer's Market and Pearl Street Farmer's Market for local Denver folks. So fucking good. Like, just unbelievably good vegan food. Um, gay people. We love that. So you've watched the show. I hate the host. Absolutely hate him. I mean, I watched it like years and years ago. Okay. I don't, the host has probably changed, even though it's not Netflix. Okay. Well, the host is terrible, but it's been super entertaining. Like I have enjoyed watching everyone make their food. There's some really interesting, just cool. I just love it. It says the person says the person who started the number one. We have not even talked about the great food truck race or whatever ever before until now. Not on our not on our summer schedule radars. Christina's A goes to a show that is again not on our list and opens this episode saying she's behind on the show we're supposed to cover in depth. I thought I wasn't going to yell about this, but now you're getting me worked up. Okay. Well, it's great. There's only been a few episodes out. I want to go to one of the watch parties and have them feed me their food while we watch it. Okay. Go oh, to they've also B. done super well. They've gotten go, second place. Both go to times. your B. And if it's about another show that you're watching all the episodes of no. that's not alone, you're fired. No, the B is a forecast of a show I will be watching. Oh, nice. I Go. am going to tune in to the Real Housewives of New York reboot. Yeah. Because I am just pumped that Jenna Lyons is on it. I will be linking the New York Times article on her in the show notes. It's fantastic. If you're gay, if you like J. Crew, like what is there not to enjoy? I really enjoyed the conversation around Real Housewives and how she felt that she was going to go in really controlled and like just couldn't do it, like became a housewife essentially in the, the process of filming. So super interesting article. And the part that I want to tie back to us is like the reason she is on the show is because she mentioned in two separate gay podcasts that they should cast her. I have to tell you something. Ugh. A Don't couple days ago, upset me. It won't. It will delight you. Oh, good. A couple okay. of days ago, my boyfriend's mom sent me a photo of what is the woman's name again? Jenna Lyons. Jenna Lyons. Uh, looks like a photo of like a print something, like a print article. The title of it is "Once a Boss, Now Part of the Cast," and it's a photo of this woman's face. And his mom said, I saw this article and thought of your podcast. Let me know if you want it. I should have said, send it to my co-host. There it is. She's a beautiful. I just, I love She's a beautiful. She is a beautiful. So thrilled when she came out. It's just like, you know, I don't want to speak for the queer community, though I do strongly feel that many of us, when someone else comes out, we're like, yes, another and she was one of those guests. Listen, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you are going to dive into Real Housewives. 
I've been not in that world for a while. Maybe I'll join you on this journey. No promises. Okay. Okay. Someone else from a real housewives just came out as bisexual. Oh, was it, is it the horrible woman with the blonde See, hair nothing with the me. blonde hair? What do you mean by just, I think like this week. Oh, um, maybe watch what happens live. Huh? But see, it just goes right over my head because I'm like, there's so many people. If they're not on Salt Lake, I don't know who they are. Yeah, it's and that's a good rule to live by. <laughs> um, Great. I have a, I have a B. Okay, tell me, The Bachelorette. You know, you know, what a not terrible premiere. Yeah, so I'm okay. giving it a B. I'm I like, think it deserves it. This is not amazing but I'm loving charity way more than I thought I would. I don't think we got to see her personality that much on her season she was on. And now it's like personality hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I'm loving her contestant pool. Some solid group of dudes. It didn't get too campy in the first ep. Real emotions mean real drama. So it gets a B I'm excited. And we're going to recap that in like two weeks. So I can't Great. wait. I, tried not to talk to you about it because I know we will be recapping yes, it. Yes, we will. I really enjoyed the premiere. Me we too. watched it live with commercials. Wow. Okay. Wow. I did not do that because it's too late <laughs> for me, but it was late. <laughs> uh, my C is I started barbecue showdown season one. Uh oh. I don't know any of the contestants names. I think this was episode one, possibly two. There is a contestant who tributes his meal to his deceased friend whose name is Big Worm. He probably says Big Worm 25 plus times in this episode, and it is deeply disturbing to me. I give it a C because... It's in honor of a person who's passed away and that's real and that's sad. But like, if it were just big worm, the words being said that many times, it would have been an F. It's great to have you watch a show that I also watch because I was clearly doing something else and didn't catch who big worm was. Mm -hmm. So I thought big worm was himself in third person. I would have to stop watching. If that was true, I would stop watching the show. (laughs) All right. You have a C? You have a C and a D. I don't have a D. I do. I have a C and I'm really questioning what I wrote down. Take it first then. All right. I think I'm just going to ignore the first half of what I wrote and just say I'm giving my C. No, I'm not going to give a C. I'm not going to give a C because what I want to say about this show goes into the F category or no, the D category. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Do your D. Okay. My D is the big D. That's probably why I put it there. (laughs) Okay. I'm actually enjoying it. So I don't know that the show itself gets a D. These people's relationships get these. I know that they are divorced, so they are a disaster. You want me to explain the show? No, I don't want you to explain the show. Once <laughs> again, this is not on our list of shows to watch. I have to try out these new shows. No, what you have to do is watch the things that we're talking about in seminar. Oh, I see why I'm getting yelled at now. It takes. Yes, you covered two things in Homeroom that are not even on our radar. 
And I'm yet sorry. you haven't even watched all the alone episodes. <laughs> it is bad that I watched all of the big D though. I you watched admit. all of it? Everything that's out. I can't even. I'm gonna have to <laughs> hang up. Go ahead. You get a D. I get a me. D. These people get D's. The reasons these marriages fail are unhinged. And the one that I really want to share with you is that this one guy said he really like his mother-in-law was very meddlesome. And unfortunately we're at the part where I still don't really know who people are. There's also a guy who has his mother's name tattooed on his ass. So real weird family relationships going on. Yeah. I can't turn away. Better or worse than farmer once wives? Better. Definitely better. Okay, good. Good. I'm getting over my anger towards you. Okay. F comes, my F comes, well, Christina's on the border of getting an F, but my F Mm -hmm. of the week is this contestant on Love Island UK who is a piece of flaming trash sometimes everyone's complex sometimes he's not a piece of flaming trash i find him to be super sketchy there's a moment in one of the recent episodes where they're doing never have i ever and someone says never have i ever cheated on anyone and this guy zach zachariah who isn't even like he there's got to be something about him in person because all the gals are just dying over this man and i'm like what is it i am not getting this at all he's the one who said he read the book on how it's hard for people to take accountability so he reads that's good but anyway someone says never have i ever cheated on my significant other and zach admits that he has multiple times people ask him which okay whatever that's not the f here's what the f is people ask him about that and he said I look forward to the day I'm with somebody I don't want to cheat on. What a stand-up guy. And yet, even after that, these women are still falling over him. And I'm like, dude, when you say it like that, it sounds like you're blaming it on the wo- the, oh, the women you're with. 100% to make it, to make it blaming sound- the victim here. I really like to live by the when people tell you who they are, believe, believe them. Believe them. This man is screaming who he is. S- screaming. Zachariah gets an F and I'll let you know if he ever leaves the F category. So far he hasn't. Take me home with your F, teach. Uh, you know my F is going to close us with a rant. What is it? Love always? No, no. Oh, oh. It's one of our contestants from Stars on Mars. Simultaneously annoyed me on the show and got put on my shit list in life the same week. Have you let me know before you go on, like, have you been keeping up? Because I dropped off at the last week's episode, like halfway through. I have kept up. This week, Lance Armstrong held a cockroach up to some people that were freaked out by it. And I'm just not about that shit. Like, if people have real fears and phobias, don't. Just, just don't. It's not, like, funny. I don't like when people, mm-mm. Is this gonna get, for me. Is this going to get heavier? Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I'm either really bad at reading like your no. vibe or like, like you really hate cockroaches. No, no. So he's decided to insert himself outside of Stars and Mars 
into the trans athletes conversation. Oh, get out of here. Like, what are you doing? Because this man is clearly the voice we need to contribute to the cacophony yeah. of whatever the fuck is going on. A stand-up athlete himself with no controversies. Exactly. Him. And I, I mentioned this to my spouse and Taryn said, honestly, what I'd been thinking, which was like, oh, I was sort of willing to overlook that bullshit because he's been like interesting on Stars on Mars. But now, you know what? I am not. You have a history of unfairness in sports from your doping scandal. And you want to talk about specifically the issue of trans athletes as a fairness issue. So he started posting some tweets saying like, can we have this discussion about trans athletes in sports and ask questions and not be considered transphobic? So, okay. That's okay. So far I'm like, okay. And you know, he, he then starts to say, I think I should be the one to have these conversations because I'm basically, I've, I've lived it all. I'm not afraid to be canceled. When someone leads a really intense conversation with that, no, I'm just going to tune out, especially when it's a cis white straight man saying I should have the hard conversation because I'm just okay with saying bullshit. Was he trying to have this conversation on Twitter? So he's sort of teasing that he's about to enter this conversation with Caitlyn Jenner, of all people. So it's it's going to be a bad combo, I think. Where I would like to redirect this, and I will link to this video, is um, Skylar Baylor, who is a trans athlete who does a lot of education on Instagram, did a great video that I would do a true disservice to by summarizing, responding to these tweets and saying, right, of course we can have these conversations. No, it's not transphobic to ask these questions. However, these questions have been asked and answered. There's a ton of literature on this. And the problem is that most people are woefully uneducated about trans folks. So you end up doing a lot of harm by sort of just stepping into the conversation like an uneducated white straight sits man that you are, Lance Armstrong. He's way nicer. He's a lovely educator. I'm the asshole here. All of the tone you're getting is me. Anyway, Lance, you get an F. Lance, huge F. Also, I don't know why I have this like super dumb hypothesis that I have no way of testing. But whenever I hear about stuff like this, I just think people need hobbies. Like, I don't know how else to say that. Every time someone inserts themselves somewhere where it doesn't seem like they should be, I'm like, do you really have nothing else to fill your time with? I was hoping, honestly, that the emergence of pickleball was going to improve a lot of discourse about these topics because I was like, seems like people love that. Great use of your time much better use of your time than inciting weird stuff on Twitter where you're not supposed to be. So I'm honestly upset every time I hear something like this. It's not, it's like, if I were Lance Armstrong, I'm like, what, what, why would that be enjoyable even to do? Like, did you ever make lanyards as a kid? Definitely. Yeah. I'm like, even that sounds more fun. Like going back and learning how to make a lanyard than it is for me to insert myself into a conversation that I have literally zero information or understanding about as an authority figure. I would love to stress make some lanyards right now. Yeah. Maybe Lance doesn't know about lanyards. Maybe we should send him a kit. No hobbies. That would be amazing if that were the real... (laughs) 
not to reduce this serious topic down to what I just said, but I truly have like this deep belief that there is something like societally, like some kind of void people have that leads them to do stuff like this. And I'm just always wondering Mm. how might we fill that void in more productive ways so that we have a better allocation of our time and effort spent where it really should be spent. Yeah. So someone needs to create like a nonprofit called crafting for haters that is designed to pair haters with hobbies. Yeah. But maybe not called that. Cause I don't know if anyone yeah. would, I no, don't know no, if no, it, no. the hater, it, the maybe, hater is the customer and they probably right. wouldn't want to be calling themselves a hater, but you might need to like nominate queer eye style. Yes. But not know the, like it has to be a, a some mm-hmm. kind of a guise under some kind of oh, guise of some other thing that you're doing, but really it's just giving them a, like a craft hobby. Solved. Okay, great. Love it. Solved. Consider it solved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any pop quizzes today? I do. Okay. Because I've just, I've really wanted to talk to you about below deck more than we have. Oh, okay. Don't worry. This is a good question. Okay. How do you think, and I, I really don't know how to say your name, Alicia? Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of like Alicia. Yeah. yeah, but there's like an extra syllable. It's spelled I-L-E-I-S-H-A. How does she rank for you in Below Deck Chef history? Pretty high. I think so, too. It depends because like, are we just evaluating on their chef skills? If no, so, we'll give a holistic evaluation. Their like personality how good are they? Yeah, great personality. But I'm like, if you're talking about how much they're bringing drama and making the show more exciting, mm. then it's actually a negative. Okay. She's too competent and chill. She's so competent, very chill. No, I could never evaluate on the drama front yeah. because I, I have a deep hatred for some of the chefs and the drama they brought. Oh, AKA Adam, Adam. Supreme Gaslighter. 100%. Yeah. To me, when I think about like, well, honestly, I forget about who a lot of the chefs are, but there's just three that I remember and those ones I consider my top. Well, there's two. And then Alicia, who's all right. We'll see if she stands the test of time, but maybe these people aren't good people, but Ben. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. How how can you not? I agree. He's a top. And Rachel. Oh, I love Rachel too. Yeah. So I also love, I'll throw in Chef Marco as well. Oh yeah. Who got the cut his head. Yeah, I was like the guy who ripped a piece of his scalp off. That's the scene I remember, but he was a great chef as well. Yeah, he was probably the best chef that we've ever had on Below Deck. And I remember reading that it seemed like his appearance on the show was very, almost like entrepreneurial because he was about to open a restaurant mm-hmm. and he wanted free, yep, uh, whatever. And I've heard great, great things, although I think he left his previous place and is in a new location. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If yeah. I had to go... If I had to choose whose food to eat, probably him. If I had to choose who should be, who I'd want to see on a season, I would choose like earlier days, Ben. He's too, he's too mature now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Alicia is yeah. also solid. Good. I just wanted to get a sense if you agreed. Cause she's, yeah. I, I'm just impressed by her and she did a 10 course dinner in wow. the last week for this group of gay guys who 
honestly were so complimentary. It was probably the best guest you could do this for, but it it was like a six hour dinner and she nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Her hands are so small. Have you noticed that? <laughs> what happened? She has well, she is small. Like yes. she's short and she's little. Her hands are so small. I'm always like, is it harder to make food if you have really small hands? Because you can't like pick. All right, let's let's end this. <laughs> Do you have any uh, pop quizzes for me? I mean, kind of. I just want your gut reaction to something that was said on Love Island. Okay. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Agree or disagree? Disagree. If you go to therapy. Okay. Love that qualifier. I don't like absolutes in that way. Uh I mean, I actually love absolutes, but I'm fighting against my nature. Yeah, I was going to say, huh. I don't know if you're right about the fact you don't love absolutes. Mm -mm, I do. It makes me a horrible person to be around. But in terms of evaluating human nature, I want to not believe in complete, like, you're stuck that's how you yeah. always be yeah is it that guy that said that? same well no <laughs> or someone said it about him yeah 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 all the girls well, that this all... guy sounds yeah. like it all the girls who were who aren't like somehow under this man's spell just kept saying once a cheat once a cheater always a cheater zachariah uh-oh, uh-oh the british accent is back <laughs> this oh. is why we can't do a full love island episode because we will lose any people who listen (laughs) shall we go into seminar yeah i'm ready i'm upset because i have a lot of notes okay and you you're not even here i have i'm physically here and i'm going barely (laughs) barely can you grade me after on my performance Mm, it's hard it's hard to do that knowing what i know okay why don't you as the more seasoned viewer Tell our listeners what Alone is in case they haven't watched it. And can I say, as a person who's dipped in and out, holy shit, there's a ton of seasons and spinoffs. Yeah. 10. This is season 10. Alone is the most classic survivalist show. Contestants are usually some version of a survivalist or professional hunter, etc. And they are dropped... Um in some area, usually in the middle of nowhere, Canada, sometimes Alaska. Usually they're dropped around mid-fall, so it's getting colder. They can bring like 10 items or something like that in addition to the basics that they're provided by the show. There are no camera people because everyone has their own camera equipment and has to film themselves, so they're truly alone. And yeah, they're just dropped, unlike Outlast, which we covered at some point, which is like a team-based version of this, you're completely, you guessed it, alone. And it's just who can last the longest. All the seasons, I think, except for one season, which was my favorite season, was who can last the longest. You don't know when anyone else has dropped out, so it's just a true mind fuck. And one season, it was... Like whoever makes it to a hundred days wins. And only one person made a hundred days. I believe that was the longest anyone had ever last as well. And that, that person was the last person standing. So like basically in a normal season, that person would have won like on day 76 or something. It's just the rules were slightly different. I'm obsessed with that dude. 
But anyway, this is more of a classic season. Do you think by them telling the contestants that season, you have to last to this day, like it gave that person the ability to last those extra 25 days because there was an end mark? Dude would have lasted forever. Oh, really? When dude got rescued, he was like, man, that sucks. Like, I really like it out here. Oh. Can I briefly tell you about that guy? Yeah, his name's not dude. His name is Roland. Okay. (laughs) I mean, a guy named dude could definitely be on this show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Roland, like Welker or something. This is a spoiler. I believe it was season eight. No, no season will hold a light to this purely because of this contestant. He built a house out of stones. I'm talking boulders. And he would call it Rock House. It was aptly named. That's what it was. And... He's just, I have goosebumps thinking about him. What an incredible, majestic, odd, like, like a instant legend type of a guy. I think he lived in Alaska. So that lends itself well to competing in, I think they were in Canada, but maybe they were in Alaska that season. But the most impressive thing, oh, I'm going to forget exactly what the animal was, but he, what allowed, what made him win in addition to just being epic in every way and building a rock house, which was incredible and stayed really warm he shot like a buffalo like a bison with one arrow maybe two then he tracked it because it didn't die on the spot it just had to bleed out so he tracked this dying buffalo bison massive thing like a moose huge until it fell, but it's still alive. And these animals are super dangerous. And and he films him. He takes his fucking pocket knife and he like sprints over it, stabs it, picks it up and sprints away and does that like eight times until it fully dies. And then he spends like two weeks lugging it, the two miles, like pieces of it, two miles back to his camp in the snow. It's like full on snow. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. I was like, this man is amazing. It was very obvious he was going to win. Okay. This is so helpful to me because I had a question from this season for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which was who the fuck thinks they can take down a literal bear with a single arrow. And I I guess it's possible. I I just physically did not know that was possible. (laughs) Yeah. I had a question too, which is like, is anybody going to kill a bear? They're all acting like they're all going to kill a bear. And I'm like, no one. And I'll tell you what, it's it's not going to be that guy that lost his arrows. (laughs) Colby? Colby? (laughs) I look, I don't know one name. Cade. Cade. Okay, that sounds right. I have all their, I have all their names. There are so many are interchangeable to me. I have all their names in like one line about each of them to help me kind of remember who they are. But yeah, I have- I have no idea if anyone's going to kill a bear. I don't think so. I immediately was on that Wikipedia page, A, to see who, like, what is the longest someone has lasted on a loan, and B, what have the bear encounters been like? Because I am so fascinated. Oh my God, there was one season that was in Grizzly Country. Kodiak something. Oh, on Kodiak Island? Uh Uh-huh. Those that was way, I mean, this bear situation is is way less scary than that season because though that season was yeah. like they were all that's grizzlies. Ground. Yeah, yeah, that's it's terrifying. Like I'm like really fascinated by bears because I think they terrify me. Mm. We went to Alaska when I was in fifth grade, 
and we were on I don't know where we were and I bought this book that was a red cover and it was just like the most gruesome bear attacks in Alaskan history and I read it and I think about it all the time (laughs) and I went to Alaska when I was a law student for the summer and encountered bears and guess what I learned about myself what I ran and left my girlfriend behind. 100%. I've also run in a bear encounter as well. And I left so, my boyfriend behind. Doesn't matter what you learn. It really doesn't. <laughs> you're you're told don't run, stay still and get big. But listen, when you are in close contact with a bear, you're running. I was out. Yeah. Oh, I was out. I also, when that's happened to me recently- I ran like through the brush, like into oh, where probably more. So bears it could are. like easily track you too. You're like clomping through the forest. Yeah. And I'm like definitely not on any hiking trail anymore, running the risk of getting lost and like going farther and farther into where there are likely more bears. But as Christina just said, doesn't matter what you're told. No one's going to go hiking with either of us <laughs> after this. No one's going to go hiking with either of us after this. Is anyone going to listen to our seminar on alone? I don't know. Let's I keep hope going. So. What? Okay. I have some other high level things, but also I have individual contestant stuff, but you go, you keep going. Okay. Let's continue this conversation around bears. Okay. But <laughs> I'll expand it. So there seems to be, <laughs> I could talk about bears all day. Listen, listen, people, I've been like for <laughs> weeks, I've been like, ever since I started watching them. So when, when I watch, and I think we see this the same thing we watch when we know we're going to cover something in depth, we watch episodes and we take notes during them. And I'm watching the first episode of alone, knowing we're just recap it in four weeks. And I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Because there's nothing other than like this. So this is the best content we could possibly give. (laughs) Carry on with your bear topic. Okay. It seems like. And you can tell, you can give some nuance to this if you've observed differently. Okay. When they get deposited in their wilderness place, there's two approaches and it's shelter or uh-huh. calories. Yeah. Are you a Taurus or a Leo? Okay, great. I love that question. And I, my question for you as a person, but then also as a viewer and, and student of alone is what would you prioritize and follow up? Why can't it be both? Yeah. (laughs) I've thought that so many times in this season. I'm like, I have a lot of respect for the log cabin you're building by yourself, but also like, could, could you like take a break and go fish? The literal log cabin that you're like, God, it's a lot harder when my family's not here. Yeah. Um, I had the same question myself. I don't know why you can't do both. And if I had to choose, I would pro if I couldn't do both, my preference would be to do both. But if I, for some reason can't, which seems like it's a bad idea to do both at once is I would definitely try to get food first. I think so. I mean, there's a contestant. I'm going to give you some spoilers because you're behind and serves you right. But there's a contestant who builds Jody, builds that whole freaking wooden house. And then it's like day 23 and she has not eaten anything except for the bark of trees and berries. Yeah, she's like 
grabbing handfuls of tiny berries and at least in episode three her movement of hauling the logs is just so slow i'm yeah get yourself some protein get yourself i'm screaming i'm screaming at the beginning like jody you don't have to build this log like whatever notched log cabin to completion you can't eat you can't not eat for three weeks isn't it fascinating as someone who could see myself falling into this like I must get this done. Yes. It is entirely self-imposed. There is no one else out there. No, not at all. It's just the elements, which I guess you want to be ready. This is a note I took, which is very relevant to what we're saying, which is there's this weird phenomenon that happens when you're watching alone, where suddenly you think that you have some sort of say in what the right approach is. Like I found myself yelling at one point to someone, you have to move the gill net. Like, I'm just like, what are you doing? Move the gill net. And I'm like, I've never done anything like this in my life. I don't know. I don't know what a gill net even really is, but I suddenly am, um, am just like overcome with strong opinions about how to survive in the wilderness. Agreed. I always have strong opinions. So that's, I'm sure not yeah. surprising to you. I really thought that guy's gill net would be very effective. Yeah, it, I just as soon as he started building it, I was like, "This is excellent! It's a such a perfect way to catch food without expending mm-hmm. Passive. any calories." Yeah, Passive, as he said, and it, that's the First Nations guy, correct? Um, First Nations Lee, the older-ish guy who's like the little skinny and oh, right, 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 that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the gillnet is always very impressive when someone does it. You're like, whoa, you just made that? And then it makes Wove you think it. that they're going to do well. But he was the first guy who self-eliminated. Oh, he does? Oh, it's probably in episode three. R.I.P. Yeah, I'll tell you who gets self-eliminated or who Okay, no one has self-eliminated where I'm at yet. And I, I want to know, too, because I guess I'm slightly a chaos demon. Yeah. What happens if it's like a really bad situation? do they are they are okay are the video cameras this is very logistical like is it a live stream like could they could producers be watching someone get attacked by a bear in real time and know they need to go out there i don't know about that i've wondered that as well i do know that there are medical checkups where a medical crew comes it seems like maybe it becomes more frequent as time mm. goes on and it okay. is really devastating i remember a couple different times this has happened where there have been people who have been pulled from the game because there are some like clear medical criteria that have mm-hmm. to be met and if they usually it's uh some somehow related to losing a, too much body weight i've read that, about that yeah and then they get pulled even if they are like well, it's, it's, I think it's always the right call for them to be pulled, but sometimes they're very upset about it. They're reluctant to of get Of course pulled. they are. Yeah. And if you're delusional at that point and think you're doing fine, like yeah. you're not going to pull yourself, but I think the docs, do we trust them? A hundred percent. They're trustworthy. I, I feel that like, there's a point where you can do like irreparable damage to your yes. body. So let's let them pull people. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they'll probably pull someone at least someone this this season so the the there's been at the end of by the end of episode four four people have self-eliminated i know oh, it starts shit. picking up yeah can i make can i ask if one of them is the guy with the autistic son oh man do you remember what his name is 
I don't. Or anything about him. Oh, well, oh I do. He's I do. the one that is like, I, in my view, middle of episode three, he is doing the worst. Yeah. He's the one who got lost. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mikey. No. Yes. Unless Whoa. I missed it. Unless that I missed it. Mikey is somehow still there. He didn't really appear in episode four, though. So now I'm like, did he leave? And I missed it. But no, <laughs> it's, like, it's not yeah. good. Yeah. Not no, good. it's not good. Uh, yeah, I wrote on my note under Mikey. I wrote he has five kids, and then I said he's a goner, but he's still there. Lee, Shocked. Lee self-eliminated from hunger. He just wasn't getting any food. Okay. And the cool farmer, older farmer lady. Oh, I love I, her. I knew she was gonna. She was freaking out one minute in. Yeah. She was literally like, "Oh my god." Oh, she said she had what? What's it called? Yeah, drop was, shock. Yeah, drop shock. So she self-eliminated also from hunger. Okay. Then this was a surprise because he was doing so well. Luke, the guy with the dreadlocks. Yeah. From Hawaii, which I wrote, you can't live in Hawaii and win. And I agreed. Feel, I feel good about that. Um, yeah. He gets super sick because he drank. No. Water directly from the lake near the shore without. No. Like curing it. Okay. And this is the other thing where I'm like yelling at my TV as if I know anything. So he self-eliminates in episode four. And then Jody, the woman who built that um, log cabin, self-eliminates because she's homesick and and saw her mother in a dream begging for her to come home. Oh. Yeah. So we're ne- we four have left. I don't remember how many other people were to start. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 I think people started or that's how many people I took notes on so there's six left I like Jody she was a like a top pick for me really you thought she was gonna I that cabin was impressive yeah see you're new you're a novice to this exactly I was easily impressed yeah you don't know honestly though I thought I thought Lee was gonna go really far because of his like his upbringing seemed so he lived he lived in the the region that yeah. this is being shot in I don't know how you get better yeah I just think he was like too old and one big question I have which I always feel when I watch these seasons with the exception of I think that talent you and skill usually is like the most skillful person winds up winning but there's a big massive component of luck there are some people this season who and this season I will say has way more food available than the recent seasons, um, especially fish. And so, but it's, it seems very asymmetric. Like some people are catching a fish a day and then others aren't catching a single thing despite trying equally hard. And so that's always something where I'm like, I guess it's fair, but it really seems like it also depends on what spot you have been randomly assigned. Yeah. That makes total sense. Damn. Let's just briefly maybe talk about the other contestants just to see if we have any thoughts. All right. There's a guy named, so, so there's a guy named Alan who I literally don't remember who that is, but I know that he couldn't eat fish roe because it made him feel (laughs) weird. And I was (laughs) like, bro, you gotta eat, you gotta eat whatever is there. I did respect that he tried. Yeah. Didn't he try to like cook it? I don't remember, but I was like, Alan, my guy, this is the only food you're going to be able to have. What are you thinking? suck it up i don't remember anything else about him didn't write down anything about my predictions of how long he 
he'd he'd last. <laughs> Let me know if when you're looking at them, anything else comes to mind. Otherwise, okay. I'll go to the next person. No, go. Luke, as we discussed, lives in Hawaii. Very chill. Had a cool structure. Built a house into a hillside. Yeah, I like that. Really like that choice. And was getting fish like every day. I really mm. thought he was going to go far minus the Hawaii part, but then he drank the water without heating it up. So that's on you, my guy. Then we've got Lee, who we discussed, the first person to tap out. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he was a little bit older and got unlucky with fish. Jody, who was the fourth person to tap out. I did write, she's building her house first. Is she a Taurus? But yeah, she's stubborn. She's gone. Yeah, stubborn, but gone. Then we've got, all right, here's someone who's still there. Cade, the man who lost his arrows. What do you think about Cade? It's shocking to me he's not the first to go because it it has felt like a comedy of errors in that he gets lost. He shoots his arrows, they go away. He's just like in the tent, not tent, whatever, his structure looks very unwell. It, It seems to me at every part, he's just like, I have to go like lay down because I feel horrible. And I'm just like thinking, ooh you're not going to feel better when you wake up. You got to yeah, pull like, yourself. Like it's in the not words like of, a fever dream. In the words of Love Island, it's early days. Yeah. So I'm shocked he's still there. He, to me, was like number one to go. Yeah. And he... also he's from North Carolina or something, I think. No. So... Oh, I think you're talking about Mikey. Oh, am I thinking of Mikey? You're talking about the guy who got lost from oh, North Carolina. They're the same person to me. Okay. Cade lost his... Oh, okay. Yeah. Cade Everything is from I Wyoming. said... Was for yeah. Mikey. Was for Mikey. Okay, love should it. be pulled. Yes, agreed. Because I feel that <laughs> what he is doing is unsafe to himself. Yeah, agree with you. <laughs> okay, if he wins, it's by dumb luck. Yes. or everyone else imploding. Correct. Cade, yeah. the energy he brought uh-huh. <laughs> in episode one or two, whenever he was introduced, was honestly too much. Like just talking about i'm gonna get the big game i'm gonna get the big game with your one arrow now that i know it can be done maybe i'll forgive him a little but i was like this is too much you're not he's definitely no roland yeah sorry kate (laughs) he just seemed like a lot of cockiness and not a lot of show Uh uh-huh well when you lose literally all your arrows just out into the brush then we have melanie the former model turned Mm. survivalist fascinating backstory fascinating i want to go to her school yeah i mean frankly she's doing fine she seemed great like good head on her shoulders yeah that's the number one thing to look for is Mm. someone who's like super mentally sound seems like super mentally sound and who doesn't make dumb mistakes early Mm. right because that would make sense like you're you're at your highest capacity at this point so you shouldn't be getting lost and throwing your arrows away on day one yes okay good that's a good metric maybe you can learn from it if you do it once really early and Mm -hmm. it's and then never but like if you make multiple mistakes early on it's like so that that brings me to one of the most interesting characters to me who's from brazil which is a negative Mm. to me taz he built that he built a boat in like a week like an awesome boat and he's seems super mentally sound 
And by mentally sound, I don't mean any of these people are like mentally unwell. There's just, you can tell different degrees of being able to cope with the mental toll of being on the show. But in episodes three and four, he makes a ton of mistakes. Like he starts cooking something in a little cook wooden structure he made and the whole thing sets on fire. Animals eat his food in episode four and he loses his gill net in episode four. And so I was really high on Taz and then I was like, oh man, you're just, you're just messing up. Is Taz the one who in his like intro days was just getting naked and running in the water mm, maybe it would track with him. it would track wouldn't it yes 100 percent. all right then we have uh wyatt who is still there i i wrote long hair windy may do well maybe it was wyatt that got naked yeah maybe it was Wyatt. it was that someone got with naked. longer hair and i think it was wyatt yeah <laughs> he no major red flags yet. Then we have Mikey, who we already covered. Then we have Anne, who we already covered. She left. And that's it. I like the cast. I like a cast that is cast on skill. Yeah. it. I think it appeals to both of us as good at job people. We like to see people excelling. So it's fun to like observe people putting these skills that I in no way, shape, or form possess uh, to yeah. the best. Yeah. It also is like one giant cliffhanger because yeah. it's like, it'll be like they shoot an arrow to maybe, maybe get something that will allow them to stay another day. And then they cut to commercial. And it's just like, it's like a bunch of scenes just of that kind of editing. So students, if that does not sound appealing to you, perhaps alone is not the show for you. <laughs> Literally if anything we've discussed is not appealing to you. I'm not offended. <laughs> I have not watched every season, but I have watched Actually, there was another amazing winner. I believe he won. I used to follow him on Instagram who um, was kind of like somewhat of a normal dude. This is also a spoiler. Maybe it was last season, actually. Somewhat of a normal dude, like living his quasi normal life. But every winter for like over 10 years, I think he would go. Oh, I'm going to forget this detail, but it's so great. He would go to... I want to say like either somewhere near Russia or somewhere in Russia in the winter time to live with reindeer farmers who were like native to wherever this is. So he goes there every winter. I don't know how, how one even does that as like their winter hobby, but he would for a long time go there, live with them learn everything about how to survive and like in brutal winters and you know just like kind of thrive and he wound up winning the most recent season and he has like a wife two young kids lives somewhere i think in the southeast or something like still hunts like in the u.s but it's like i think he has a full-time job doing something and his uh training with these indigenous peoples in this somewhere in russia i think um was like provided him with the knowledge to win. It was so cool. Like, I feel like this season, there is not someone like this. There's not someone that is like the main character who I'm like really compelled by, who has this really interesting background or anything. So I can't formally recommend it to anyone. Got it. 
These winners sound interesting. I, I am hoping that maybe one person will start to set themselves apart. Yeah, me too. But I'm not, I'm not so far super hopeful. I have one more thought and then that's it. Okay. Which is that someone caught a fish and I can't remember who this was. Oh my God. If it was Wyatt, then we have to take back everything we said. Someone caught a fish in episode four, two fish, and decides to put them in this little rock pool near the water and is staying up at night to like have them live longer so that he can like eat them more slowly or something. I don't know. If you've ever watched the show, it's called Smoke Your Fish. And I it, was gonna say, yeah. Did an animal eat it? Yeah, an yeah. animal, or or they somehow jump back into the proper lake. But no. <laughs> what I was gonna say is this guy is like he just caught his fish, he's feeling amazing, and then it's nighttime and he puts him in this little pool and he's in his cabin or whatever, and he's talking to the camera about how stressed he is about the possibility of something getting his food at night. And then it made me feel like suddenly just anxiety made so much sense i like saw the origins of anxiety in humankind that was it like i was like oh my god that is how this all began you saw your ancestors i saw my ancestors right before me the anxiety caused by a lake otter stealing your fish from a, a, a little pool so that made me feel better. Hmm. I have some more points. Okay. <laughs> have you observed, I'm sorry, this is definitely more of an interview. Have you observed any like different gender dynamics between the male and female survivalists on this show? It's, I don't think there's ever been a female winner. Okay. Interesting. I think that there are far fewer women who engage in this hobby than men. So you have a different base rate which could contribute to them not winning. Proportionally, there's always more male contestants. Got it. And also it on average seems like men have better training. The contestants do have better training that who will get onto the show. One of the biggest differences that I've observed for women, which is not an interesting one, but just something I've observed is they're much better with dealing in dealing with hunger. Yeah. They just like, don't need to eat nearly as much. And like when they're hungry, just seem to be way better at dealing with that. That definitely also seems to be true on survivor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because the men are hour one talking about protein. Yeah, exactly. And it, it feels Again, not that I've ever been on Survivor, so I don't know how it physically feels, but uh-huh. they they always, not always, but a lot of times we'll talk about it in this way where it's like, I have an expectation, like I'm used to eating 3000 calories, like I'm like mentally yes, I'm yes. used to it. So I can't detach that expect that mental expectation from the physical reality. Yes. Whereas I'm sure some of these women are packing on the calories. Like you've, we've had Olympic athletes. Yeah. So I, I, there's a mental piece I feel. Cause I was going to say, do you feel that the hunger piece is like that women are better dealing with pain and pain management? I do. I do. I don't know. I mean, in general, yes, I believe that that's true. Like outside of this show, 
I, there haven't been that many female contestants. So it's hard for me to like, try to remember why different of different, but like, even in this two of the three women are already out and it's, you know, kind of early on. I only remember one woman doing like, like super well, she made top three. She was kind of weird, but she was pretty young. She was like our age. She had a sick shelter and managed to catch some food, but ultimately she got pulled for medical reasons, which is super sad. She was like doing pretty well, but I think that was maybe Roland season. Maybe. Oh, the other guy, the reindeer guy is Jordan. That's his name. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they're better at dealing with pain in general on alone. Okay. Thank they you do for seem answering. to get less frustrated. Yeah. Better emotional regulation yeah. skills. Yes. Better emotional regulation surprising. skills. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. I have one final closing question for you. I'm ready for that it. I, this- by the way, I am not an alone expert. Again, I've maybe watched three seasons. Three. Okay. Wow. Or five. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a big difference because five is closer to the majority. Yeah, but this is the kind three. of show where literally you cannot, like, in my brain, I'm like, I don't even remember the distinction between seasons. They're all in a similar mm-hmm, looking place. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. contestants are kind of the same. I don't remember how many of them I watched. <laughs> They're all doing the same three things, like starving, trying to get food, trying to stay warm. That's Got it. it. Okay. Have you watched any of the spinoffs, like Alone Frozen? No, I never even heard of this. I get that ad every time I turn this on. Oh, I fast forward the ads. I can't. So many ads. I thought I couldn't either, but you actually can for a loan. I don't know why. Ooh. I know. Wow. Yeah. Hot tip. Hot tip. Pro <laughs> tip. There you go. Okay. Here's the question. And I, I, you can answer for both you and Daniel. How long do you think you would last out there? Current mm. skills? Zero days. Would Z- you Okay. Go? Less than 24 hours. Would have a uh less than how depends on what time they drop me off i'm leaving before it gets dark <laughs> I'm leaving before the sun goes down the first night <laughs> okay and what about daniel uh what, what do you think he would say Ooh. well it's hard because let, let's say let's change the parameters of the game a little bit and okay. then i'll give you my guess because no in no world does he think he would win the game yeah and yeah, so yeah. if you if you that's an interesting thing is like the calculus people do about like okay i'm feeling so shitty it's day x what are mm-hmm. my odds of winning based on what day it is right now mm-hmm. and how many mm-hmm. people i think are left Got so it. let's say like you get paid for how many days you're there okay that's that's kind of the game so i can guess so he's incentivized to stay even if he doesn't think he's going to be the last one staying mm. even for me i would i would leave again as i was as i've said before I don't even sunset. know the amount you would have to pay me to stay for overnight one night. <laughs> You're exposed. Do you have no tent? Yeah. There could be a bear. There could be. It's not happening. I will be asking you the same question about you and Taryn. So oh. do think about it. Oh, we already had this conversation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was good. Da- Daniel, if you got, if you got paid every day for staying, I think he would probably last four days i think he would probably say he would last more than that maybe five but the problem with him is exactly what you said the calorie thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that'd be Auto. the downfall also we're not he doesn't know how to serve he doesn't know how to survive with us right none of us have these skills so yeah, yeah. So none of us, once again we don't know what we're talking the about the real question is like how long could you keep yourself alive 
without knowing how to do any of yes, this. Doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's the real question. And then like, how, and then your answer is basically reflecting like, how delusional are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So my spouse said like a lot of days. Tell me the day number. <laughs> High delusion. Terrence is a week. Seven days. I said maybe 36 hours for Taryn. Oh, okay. What about for you? I think until, until I like, what is the rule for dehydration? Ooh, three days. So three days is where I'm at. But you could boil water and it's fine. I would worry that I would not be able to start a fire. Current skills. Oh, uh, okay. 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 Well, honestly, now, cause you did this, let me get Daniel to have him guess live. All right. Daniel? Guess live. I, I would last a very brief period of time. <laughs> how, how long? Like a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe more than a day. I think I would just, the th- I don't think I can deal with hunger. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, that's what I said. I think, I think I, like, I've never even gone for more than like a few hours in recent memory without eating. So I, I might be able to push through. I've heard that if I could get to the other side of the initial hunger, maybe I'm just like, hallucinating and i don't i don't know it was just really hallucinating bad after a few hours somehow, but yeah I, I don't know a day i think i'd have a really tough time like not having any food being hungry but then having to go find food yeah but also that food not being immediately edible yeah like me risking death or like i think yeah i mean i think if i really put my mind to it and i was being paid a lot i could probably withstand more hunger than i think i can but... okay so you definitely shouldn't go on survivor I've all yeah, I've always thought that like any any like compassion, like social game I have in real life would go out the window with like the the level of hunger I would experience on Survivor. Okay. Well, just so you know, Um, the person who thinks they can stay the longest by far is Taryn, who thinks they can stay for seven days. You know, (laughs) the seven days, I feel like if if my goal was to just see how long I could stay on, yeah, that's it. And not try to actually do anything. Yeah, you know, that's it. That's it. I might be able to just lie down for seven days and like be alive after that. But like, I couldn't do seven days and then continue on the show. I think because I would just lie down and be like, okay, I can endure hunger for seven days. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love that. That's your thought. Is like I'll just be laying down. Yeah. If I can't uh, boil water, that will uh, cut me. But I, I'm like, I fire. could definitely yeah. lay down yeah. and yeah. hang out, gather berries. <laughs> so how many days if you just lay down? I think closer to seven, but seven, honestly, seven days of lying down, not eating and not talking to any other humans yeah. sounds like pretty crazy making. I guess four or five for you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Taryn, All right, what do you Taryn, think? Please, please provide your... I think I could be there for a week still because I think that... I could boil water. <laughs> I think I could figure out how to boil water, but I I don't think I'd be very good at getting food. So I think it would be like berries mm. and like maybe like a fish or something small. Do you know how to like, prepare a fish? How would you catch a fish? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not like relying on that. That's why I'm saying a week because like, <laughs> I think I'd be very hungry. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be very good at like getting food at all. So um, none of you are like afraid of the wildlife component. You're like, yeah, I'll just sleep on the open forest floor without any tent or anything well there aren't grizzlies this time right no grizzlies no yeah that was, that's the main thing that would freak me out is the grizzlies taryn yeah. hasn't thought about the wildlife until now it's clear i i worry about taryn eating poison berries yeah i think mm. i would i would like study and i would be okay like eating like foraging and eating berries and things 
And then I actually really liked like the moss that they were sleeping in looked really comfy. Mm -hmm. I thought that. I thought that as well. Okay, you got okay, get out of here. Are you ready for my office hour? So today I wanted to talk about one of my favorite theories in social psychology slash maybe beyond social psychology. It's kind of sociological as well. Also a little anthropological. It spans the bounds. And the reason why I thought about it was actually a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about selling sunset and the whole situation with Jason going to Europe for three weeks and putting Mary in charge of being the office manager without any additional like pay or compensation for that. And just how that became this whole uh, main, main story plot point and how folks have different reactions to that. And it's like, it's this interesting thing where it's like, if that feels wrong, but it also doesn't feel so obviously wrong that Mary felt like she could do anything or say anything about it necessarily. And so there's like some tension here. And this can also show up. I think that this, what I'm going to talk about also applies to basically literally any reality TV show, any, basically it can apply to everything. That's the whole point of the theory. I'm sure it also shows up in shows like Below Deck. Um, but you can, as I talk to you about the theory, you can maybe simmer on if you can think of any other examples or any other shows where you would think that it's it's pertinent. So it's called Four Elementary Forms of so Sociality. And I will open by reading uh, part of an abstract of the original paper, which was published in 1992 by someone named Alan Page Fisk. The four elementary forms of sociality framework for a unified theory of social relations. The abstract says the motivation, planning, production, comprehension, coordination, and evaluation of human social life may be based largely on a combination of four psychological models. Pretty hefty thing to be arguing. You can think of these models, this is me inserting, uh, as like rules or grammar, or as they say, schemata that people use to both construct and construe relationships. So I, the argument is like, there's basically four ways that people construct and construe relationships. Oftentimes relationships are just like one of these four. Sometimes they can have different components of these four, but I wanted to tell you what the four are and highlight why I think this applies to the Mary Jason situation. And then I have a little, what's it called? Like interactive component of this. Not a super fun one. Okay. So there's four. Uh, I'll talk about communal sharing first. Communal sharing relationships often think of themselves as sharing some kind of common substance. For instance, blood, like a close kinship, family. It's an example is hunter and gatherer societies where even if you're the one who like catches everything, you're not expecting to eat more of it. And anybody who wants the food can have some. Another example that's more contemporary is mutual aid. Uh, like a core tenant is you don't need to give something to get something in return. There's no assessments of inputs or outputs. There's a measure that I found where you can like, like think about different relationships and like rate, rate them on these different items. Some communal sharing items are if either of you need something, the other gives it without expecting anything in return. You make decisions together by consensus. 
you feel a moral obligation to feel kind and compassionate towards each other. So that's communal sharing. Another of the four is called authority ranking. Uh, the most relevant thing in these kinds of relationships is whether someone is higher or lower than you on some social hierarchical dimension. So, you know, this is like very obvious and easy to understand. It's like any organization, business, et cetera, high ranking people typically do less work and can also order people who are lower down what to do. Some items of this one are things like one of you is entitled to more than the other. One of you directs the work you do together. The other pretty much does what they're told to do. One of you is a leader. The other loyally follows their will. That's straightforward. The third one, this one is like the hardest for me to understand kind of, although by name, it doesn't sound confusing. It's called equality matching. It's an even balance of one for one correspondence where people are primarily concerned about whether the relationship is balanced and you keep track of the balance. Each person is entitled to the same amount as another person and the direction and magnitude of imbalance is extremely important. So some examples are like carpooling, it's like everyone needs to be able to chip in um, so they can get like equality in the output. So here are some items of this. Um, you have a right to equal treatment, if one person does what the other wants, next time the second person should do what the first person wants. Both of you should have even chances. All right. The fourth one is market pricing, where there is a focus on proportionality, rations, and rates, typically organized around some kind of metric. And most commonly, at least in Western society, that metric is money. And like the terms of the relationship are always doing cost benefit ratio analyses in some kind of self-interest exchange. Some items for this are what you get from this person is directly proportional to how much you give to them. One of you often pays the other to do something. You expect to get the same rate of return on your effort and investments that other people get. So this is like very economics. So the reason, if this is true, where there's, there's some evidence that these are like four pillars of so all social relationships. And it's easiest if they're like defined by one pillar, squarely in one pillar, then the rules of them are extremely easy to follow. But in the case of Mary and Jason being best friends and past lovers and colleagues, and he's technically higher ranking than her and money is involved in this working relationship. There are expectations of friendship like communal sharing because they're such good friends, but also equality matching. That's like the basis of a lot of friendships. It's like one of the easiest ways for me to distinguish those two is thinking who's paying for this dinner. If you're keeping track of who's paying or you're like splitting it or whatever, that's equality matching. If it's like, we don't even care. We're not even keeping track of it. We have a shared bank account. That's communal sharing. So they're probably more equality matching, but they were dating at some point. So they're probably communal sharing at one point, but present day equality matching but then you come into the workplace where it's obviously authority ranking. He can tell you what to do and you have to do it. But then there's this added component of it's all based on commission and there's like money involved and the effort you do is expected to be rewarded with a certain output. So there's definitely like three of these four very fundamental pillars of social relationships that are present in that one dilemma and an example uh, or like an explanation of why it's so tricky to navigate. That makes a lot of sense because, right, when you have all these different pillars, 
I can I can 100% see why it's very divisive in viewers. Some people are like, this should be how it's viewed. And this is what the expectation is versus another. And, and I'll even equate it to another Mary thing from this season, which was her final conversation with Chriselle on the roof of that, you know, that place that they were redoing that condo and it's exorbitantly priced. And Chriselle was like, you know, I'm not gonna be involved in this. Like, I don't stand behind it. I'm not gonna sort of do press about it and mary was shocked and had this expectation about what chriselle should do as a member of the brokerage yep because she was viewing it under one pillar and that was not what chriselle had viewed it under exactly and i think when like i don't have a good example of this that comes to mind but i offer this framework when you're watching something and you see some people having an extreme reaction one way, other audience members and others having a different reaction, however their like default way of looking at things out of these four pillars is versus the way you, the lens you typically bring, or that's like more salient to you might be one reason why you hold such different views. I think, and it may just be because you brought this up in the context of Selling Sunset. It's easy for me to see this in any of the shows where there's like a job component. Yep. So below 100%. deck, I imagine VPR too, like working yeah. in the same workplace. Yeah. Or even thinking about in like real housewives world, how everyone has their own like side businesses. Yeah. And and sort of when that gets involved and the expectation about how their friends should behave Mm -hmm. or support or whatever the Mm -hmm. side business it's Mm -hmm. all very I love the intersection of like the social relationship working relationship and this really helps to understand like yes because in my hyper I only am like looking at it under one pillar yeah yeah I think like reciprocity expectations and the violation of those is like the like the basis of equality matching and I think that that's like one of the main main lenses that a lot of these characters bring and that right. causes a lot of drama. And I'm sitting here thinking you're in a working establishment. It 100% should be marketplace only mm-hmm. because it's too messy if you introduce yeah. other things under the contract of employee-employer relationship. But yeah, that's not what's going on. That's not what goes on. And <laughs> both sides are like employees and employers are like oftentimes expecting it to not mm. just be that. And it Definitely. can also feel as an employee like, um, that it's an expectation beyond just for the interactive portion. I kind of wanted to give you, um, there's this amazing table in the original paper and I wanted to give you the, there's like a table that says like domains. And then in that domain, it has, it gives an example of what it would look like under each of these four pillars. And I wanted you to have an opportunity to have me read the examples of the domain that's most interesting to you. So I'll read the domains oh. and whatever one you want to, you're most interested to hear, I'll then okay. read what it says under each. And that, okay. that'll be the end of office hours. All right, let's do it. There was quite a few. So, you know, keep it, keep, keep it in your brain. Okay. It's also like, it's the flipped on the page. So, okay. Domains. Here we go. Reciprocal exchange. Distribution, parentheses, distributive distributive justice, contribution, work, meaning of things, orientations to land, significance of time, decision-making, social influence, constitution of groups, 
social identity and the relational self, motivation, moral judgment and ideology. One more page. Moral interpretation of misfortune, aggression and conflict, characteristic mode of marking relationships. I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Oh, wait, actually, this is a cool one. Approximate age when children first externalize the model. Okay. Yeah. Which of those do you want to hear? Tell me about (laughs) aggression and conflict. Uh, Not what I thought you were going to choose. Really? What did you think I would say? Maybe you choose like the thing about land because I know you study that in some ways. Land use, whatever. Maybe you don't study that. The Aries came out in me. Okay. I also am curious about decision making as well. This is, this is a, all right. Um, Communal sharing, aggression and conflict. I think this, you might not realize what this uh what that meant (laughs) but i'll read it to you anyway communal (laughs) sharing i think it's examples of aggression and conflict in this model yeah racism genocide to quote unquote purify the race killing to maintain group honor riots based on de-individuation equivalence of all quote unquote others terrorists and notes of indiscriminately kill wait Terrorists and rioters indiscriminately kill all members of opposed ethnic group. Heavy. I can't even see your face, so. Oh, uh, no, this is what I expected. Oh, okay. Authority ranking. Wars to extend political hegemony. Execution of people who fail to accept the legitimacy of political authorities or who commit. This is a word I don't know. Lay majesté. Oh, I don't know. Also, political assassinations and tyrannicide. There's all these new words I've never said out loud before. Equality matching. Eye for an eye feuding. Tit for tat reprisals. Revenge retaliation. Market pricing. I will add in Donald Trump's quid pro quo. Okay. There you go. Inequality matching. Yes. I can't see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Market pricing, uh, final one, mercantile wars, slaving, exploitation of workers, killing to protect markets or profits, robbery and extortion, war strategies based on kill ratios. Mm, interesting. I wonder if like the the power dynamic of like unions mm-hmm. in labor mm. could also go under that. Yep, it could. Or, uh, or under the authority one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably actually for union though. Probably communal? No, no. Probably well, it depends on what, yeah, what from I what perspective what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Probably market pricing. Just the concept of unionizing. Yeah. Um Wow, I realize I probably chose like the least interesting topic for anyone but me. <laughs> Listen, I'm also gonna throw decision making in there because I wanted to end on a slightly lighter note. So just okay, like last one. Please. Communal sharing. Group seeks out consensus, unity, the sense of the group. For example, Quaker meeting. Oh, I love that. Uh, Authority ranking. By authoritative fiat or decree, will of the leader is transmitted through the chain of command. Subordinates obey orders. Equality matching. One person, one vote election. Everyone has equal say. Also rotating offices or lottery. Market pricing. Market decides governed by supply and demand or expected utility. Also rational cost and benefits analysis. There you go. I 
to tie this all back, tie it all back. I think the decision-making one, we see every kind of example in Survivor. Yes, we do. We do. Survivor is a great, great example of something where if you watch it with this framework in mind, I think it you would see, yeah, every version of it, drama that unfolds because people have conflicting lenses that they're bringing to different moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rich. Right, and, and at every sort of different piece of Survivor, you have a different element. Yep. Tribal council is the one person, one vote. Yep. But socially, you've got a lot of other shit going on. Like who's in charge at camp? Who's providing fish to feed people, et cetera. Yeah. And then the group membership that carries over into post-merge and the like, Mm. uh, like making it seem like it would be immoral to leave your original tribe membership is communal sharing. Like, great, like great example of that. Great. Well, I don't know anything else by the, yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. I've been wanting to do that one for a while. I just, this, this paper is literally 35 pages long. And then the other paper that has the scale is also long. And so I had to have some time to put together. I don't unfortunately know anything about this author other than this paper. So hopefully they're not a terrible person, but honestly, you never know with scientists who were doing stuff slightly earlier. It's just like, you got to hope. So, you know, DM us. Oh, I don't think anyone's listening to this anymore, but uh, maybe they are for any students that's still there. I have to say something because I wanted to say it at the top. I am devastated that someone gave us less than five-star rating on Spotify. Okay. I'm not putting this in. Although maybe, okay. I will put this in to say, can you Listeners, please give us a review. Yeah, yeah. I won't let me say that, but no, I want you to say that. We have way more listeners than there are reviewers. So please go and review on the app you listen to. Okay, you sound upset. Well, I am because I see the numbers and you don't. And okay, but like I listen to podcasts I don't review all the time. Okay. Well, we have nothing to give away (laughs) except our deep adoration. And if you write a funny review, we'll read it. Yeah, if you write a funny review, we'll read it. And also, Christina might cut this part out, but because someone dared to give us less than a five-star review, I have not been able to sleep at night. And so I would love the masses to rise up and just pound those five stars so that number gets rounded up to five again. So yeah, if you've listened and enjoyed, like and subscribe and review. And if you're not enjoying because we haven't talked about a show that you want us to tell us, and I can guarantee that we'll cover it for you. Yeah, because we are really scraping the bottom of the barrel here talking about Alone, which Christina didn't even fully watch. Wow. So, so end. what a way to end. Do you have quotes? No. Oh, I do. I do have no, no cry. I do have a quote. So glad you asked. The guy, Zachariah said to a woman who he's trying to woo i'd be lying if i said you're definitely someone i'm very attracted to zachariah sometimes negatives can be hard but that is the opposite of what you're trying to say oh he that's not what he meant (laughs) he meant to say i'd be lying if i said you're not 
definitely he wanted some... to do a double negative and he, he wanted to do a double negative but we only got halfway there so he basically said i'm not attracted to i'm you. not very attracted to you oh god this has been like a grammar roundup for quotes and i i do enjoy it it's fun. You, you if any- I were on these shows, I wouldn't speak right either. So no shade. Yeah, no, but shade because it's him. Okay, we can shade him. All right, I want to tell you my screams with a little bit of context. I'll try to be brief. Below deck sailing yacht. Mm-hmm. They've been giving us two episodes every week for like three oh. weeks. Do you, oh, do you not know this? The ratings are down. I wonder if they're just trying to get it out. Damn. I mean, they're definitely banking the ratings on the Daisy Gary Colin love triangle. It is incredibly messy. And for that, I do implore everyone to watch. It's, it's so it's okay. First of all, if you didn't drink, there wouldn't be these problems. It Every time they go out, everyone just gets so sloppy. And Gary tries to reckon with the fact that he actually has feelings for her. All right. The inappropriate things that Daisy does, like, that's why I'm always screaming. So Daisy and Gary, like sort of kiss in the hallway while she's with Colin and it's it yeah I screamed and I had to rewind because I couldn't really tell who instigated it who instigated it I mean it was definitely like both oh okay but here's the other thing that I was just like why is this happening on television okay so Daisy's sister visits Bonnie and she's just a firecracker lots of things she basically tells Carrie, like, you and Daisy are better suited together, which just sends Gary into a spiral of like, God, we are, aren't we? It's so hard to hear that. And then kisses Daisy in the hallway or tries to get, you know, they're very close. It's It would have been inappropriate regardless. Yeah. Then 20 minutes later, tries to tell Mads that they should be together and he'll move to the U.S. for her. He's oh. a straight up mess. Dude. Later that night, Colin and Daisy are in one of the primary bedrooms, and Gary and Mads are in the other. And then Bonnie is in the room in the middle. And they're show they're like, unfortunately, we hear the sounds of what's happening in those rooms. Okay. Ugh. The next morning, we hear that Colin and Daisy are like having some action. Bonnie wakes up, opens the door, says, are you guys having sex? And then says, I don't care. And comes to get in bed with them and snuggle the two of them. And I can't be the only one that knows this. I had to share it with you. I cannot watch this. It's not (laughs) happening. (laughs) Don't make me watch this alone. Why has it gotten like this? I loved when it was just like, there was some tension between Daisy and Gary, but like nothing was messy, really. Ugh. It's bad. I will not stop watching. I need the reunion. God bless you. I, it's some of the best television I've seen. Some, something about that feels wrong, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> Look, everyone's like, I have no respect for anyone anymore, but it is excellent. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Any more screams or honor roll? No one gets an honor roll. Actually, I would like to say I want to give my honor roll to Mads. Okay. From below deck because she 100% sees through Gary's bullshit. And I appreciate that. I'm going to give my honor roll to Big Worm. No. <laughs> which Big Worm? What do you mean, which? The the real one that has moved, passed. that has passed. Okay. Yeah. All Tribute. Right. All right. 
Big worm. Not to be confused with Tom Sandoval. Okay. Oh. A worm with a mustache. <laughs> well, I'm Christina. And I'm M. Class dismissed. And that's the episode. This podcast was recorded and produced by us, M and Christina. The views, thoughts, and opinions are ours alone. Special thanks to Caroline Reedy for episode art. Check out her work at doot underscore doodles on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. Want to get in touch? Send us an email. RealityTVPHDPod at gmail.com. See you next week.